Welcome to Life in Purple, providing you with the latest from women entrepreneurs, amazing mums, human interest stories and celebrity guests. Your host, Laura Sprague, discusses women's topics such as success, empowerment, perseverance, lifestyle and much more. Laura also offers a fun and unique perspective while providing listeners with valuable tips on how to successfully conquer the many issues women may face. Come experience your life in purple. And now, here's your host, the life coach with the most, Laura Sprague. Hello, Lip Talk Nation. Welcome to Life in Purple. I'm your host, Laura Sprague, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have responded already to our previous episodes, I want to say thank you for your support and feedback. It is my belief that when a story of survival is shared, that someone else will share their story, then another which will lead to a community of confidence, love, and restoration. On our most recent episode, we had best-selling author Susan Sherbert, who challenges people to connect with their childlike thinking, to be fearless instead of fearful. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to our previous episodes, you're missing out on some valuable tips and action steps that you can make to stop the negative talk. If you have gleaned any value from our amazing guests so far, visit liptalknation.com and there you will find more resources such as our coaching, blog, and much, much more. On our show today, we have entrepreneur, speaker, amazing mom, and an advocate for the Choose Courage Foundation to end domestic violence. Faith Conaway was one of our guest bloggers who shared with us her story of surviving domestic violence. She knows exactly what it takes to stop the abuse. With persistence, faith in God, and an unwavering why, faith has turned her brokenness into beauty. Faith believes that you can break the silence of abuse and become a survivor. We will hear from her the warning signs of domestic violence and how we can also raise awareness for such abuse. Welcome to the show, Faith. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for the sweet introduction. Well, I really appreciate you, Faith, taking time out of your really busy schedule because of that entrepreneurial skills that you have. I know that you are super busy, plus being a mom. So before we get into the warning signs of domestic violence, Faith, and how we can raise awareness, will you share with the listeners where you are from and how you got your start? So I was raised in the Seattle area in an abusive home. Uh, My mom separated from my dad during an especially abusive period, and during that separation, my dad drowned. I was 13 at the time, and my mom then raised five teenagers by herself. At 17, I headed off to college in Florida, where I met and married Jason after we dated for three and a half years. I left Jason after we had been married for 12 years and moved to Texas in 2012 to start my life over. I had to leave my job. And when I moved to Texas, I had to create a job, so I started a business. And within a week, an abused woman reached out to me, and they have been reaching out to me ever since. I keep a notebook of their names and stories, and last week, I put number 28 in my notebook. And I am honored and privileged to help any and all women that I can find safety and healing. 
Wow, Faith, you certainly hit home right off the bat, you know, touched a lot of people's hearts. Listeners, I hope that you're catching a hold of what she just did. She started helping people right off the bat. It was one week later when she left the abusive relationship. All right, Faith, I know your story very well, and some of the listeners have probably read your blog. But for those listening to your story for the first time, will you walk us through what it was like early on in your marriage? Uh, Since we dated so long, I knew that Jason was really particular about a lot of things. But, of course, I didn't know that he was so mean. I did miss and ignore some warning signs during our dating. And also, the strict dating rules at the college that we attended made it difficult to get to know somebody very well. I knew the day that I got married that something wasn't right. It was like the first day the facade came off. Jason is a very self-centered person, and most of his relationship with me was about how he could get what he wanted out of me. So within the first several months, he slapped me in the face. He thought I was back-talking him for something, and I told him that I grew up in an abusive home and I was not going to be anybody's punching bag. And I told him if he ever laid a finger on me again, I was gone. So for the next 11 years, Jason was not physically abusive. He was a bully. He was really mean. He was moody. He threw things. He broke things. He ruined many events for me and him. He screamed and cussed at me, called me every degrading name in the book, but he did not hit me during that time. He spent a lot of time and energy making sure that I knew how he felt, that I was a failure as a wife, as a mother, as a woman, as a Christian, and even professionally. Okay, Faith, you just hit on something that a lot of listeners out there are going to be relating to you, especially when you confronted him. So right off the bat, he he started abusing you, but you confronted him and that you said, I will never be hit again. I came from an abusive relationship, so this isn't going to happen. But I want the listeners to grab a hold of what you said happened after that. You said for the next 11 years that you were bullied, that he made sure that you knew where your place was and verbally abused you, cussed at you. So I want the listeners to fully understand the abuse, what domestic violence is. But before we get into that, I know that you grew up believing that divorce wasn't an option, even in a domestic violence situation. So what were some of the other excuses you were telling yourself to stay in this relationship? Oh boy, there were so many. I did not believe that I could support myself and the girls. I did not believe I had enough physical evidence to prove that Jason was abusive, both to my friends and to the law and to the church in in many areas. I thought we would be fired from our jobs. I thought nobody would believe me because we had hit it so well for so long. I did not believe I deserved to be happy. I loved him, and I kept thinking he would change. I was scared he would come after us and harm us once he realized we had left. I thought it was illegal to take the girls away. I had heard over and over that a child needed their father in their life, no matter how horrible he was. I did not believe I could afford a lawyer. I did not believe I could muster the energy to start my life over. I did not believe I could get custody of the girls, which would help them heal. I knew I would be shunned by most of my friends and family. 
and we were in a ton of debt, and I did not want that hanging over my head. So there was a lot at play in my mind and in our relationship. Okay, Faith, you pointed out many, many excuses, and I know that there are people out there that are in a similar situation that you have been in. The one thing that stands out to me right now the most was that you believed that you didn't deserve to be happy. Faith, I relate to you so much on the same level. I didn't come from a physical abuse, domestic violence you know, situation, but my background as well was some form of abuse, and so I believed that I didn't deserve to be happy. And that right there, I want Lip Talk Nation to understand that that's such a huge lie because I believe that's the domino effect of all the other excuses that you believed. That you weren't, you know, you didn't have enough evidence and you thought it was illegal to take your girls away. You thought you would get fired. But that right there was part of you thought that you were called to suffer. So I want Lip Talk Nation to understand the importance of knowing that abuse in any form or fashion is not okay. So I think you explained your excuses very well, Faith. Thank you so much. Now, I really want the listeners to understand what you experienced. So, will you describe some of your worst moments in this relationship? Sure, Laura. The times that were the worst for me were the times when he was hurting the girls and I felt helpless. I felt like if I stepped in, it would make it worse. I can remember him picking up Caitlin when she was a little tiny two-year-old. She was very little. And he was 10 times her size. He would grab her by the shirt collar, yank her up to his eye level and scream in her face for the smallest mistake. Then he would brag later to his friends about how he had his family under control. He would describe the scene to them as though it was a badge of honor for him. I can remember him screaming insults at Alexis when she was around three years old. He would repeatedly tell her that she was fat, that she was ugly, that she was stupid. He did this regularly, half-jokingly, half-realistically, until she started to believe him. At three years old, I can remember my horror when he punched me in the arm one day, so hard that that bruise lasted three and a half weeks. I kept it covered mostly, but one day I had to work in the hot kitchen and I took off my sweater. A male staff member at work jokingly mentioned, hey, I'm going to have to tell Jason to stop beating up on you. I was so mortified. I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. I could not believe I had ended up in the same boat as my mom, hiding bruises inflicted by the man who said he loved me. Okay, Faith, now your story is getting very deep because I asked you to share some really vulnerable moments in your story. Lip Talk Nation. He hit her and left a bruise on her arm for over three and a half weeks. That seems to be, you know, why would you stay after that? You know, why wouldn't you confront him? I know that you've had a lot of questions asked that way towards you, but that right there is huge. And then not knowing the person that was working with you jokingly said, I got to tell your husband to stop beating you. And you are mortified because it was true. And he didn't even realize that it was. And then the lies that he spoke to your children. I am like, I want to defend you right now. I want people to understand what kind of situation you were in. How dare you tell your child that you're fat? How dare you tell your child that you're ugly? So the abuse wasn't just on you. It was on your children as well. And so I have goosebumps right now. Lip Talk Nation, you probably do too because her story is hitting home for you and you're wanting to do something about it. So again, I'm going to ask you the question, Faith, did you ever confront him on these instances? 
I did. I felt like it was the only thing that kept me sane. I confronted him, of course, when he first hit me early on in our marriage. But even after that, I would confront him often when he was in his right mind. Jason has two personalities. He's two sides of a coin, sometimes rational, sometimes irrational. I could sense when he was rational, and in those moments, I would address the hurt, the abuse, the anger, the screaming, etc. He would usually mumble an apology and then tell me it really wasn't fair that he was always the one apologizing in our relationship. Many times, just my mentioning it was enough to send him right back into a rage. He said it wasn't fair if he was the only one apologizing in the relationship. Now, I know this isn't part of the questions that I sent to you, but I really want to know how that made you feel when he said it wasn't fair to you. It makes you feel like you're crazy. Um, it makes you like overanalyze and try to rationalize. Am I the crazy one? Is, is, am I the not normal one to be confronting him? and make him feel like, is there something I should be apologizing for? Did I do something wrong? And it just plays over and over in your head. You replay every situation over and over in your head before you ever bring it up to him. There is no open dialogue, and there's always fear of retribution or him holding it over you. Holding it over you and fear of retribution, that he's going to punish you again if you confront him. Lip Talk Nation, I know some of you out there have gone through abuse, are going through it right now, and you are doing the same thing that Faith did. It makes you feel like you're crazy if you are confronted and saying, it's not a big deal. Why am I the only one apologizing in the relationship? You know, I want you to grab a hold of this. If the abuse continues, even after you confront, then you must do something about it. Faith, at what point did you say enough is enough? Uh, Lori, it was a process for me. I began reaching out ever so gingerly to a few close friends. I told them snippets of my story and watched how shocked they were and waited for their response. And they would tell me, this is not okay. One day, a friend asked me, what is it going to take for you to leave? And I said, I am waiting for someone to get seriously hurt. And I was serious. I felt like I needed concrete evidence. I'm a very black and white person, and I felt like I needed to know for certain. And that friend said, listen to yourself. I want you to play this conversation back in your mind to yourself tonight and just listen to the words. What if it was another woman in this story telling you this story and it wasn't you? And that is what I did. And I was shocked by the realization that I was going to allow one of my kids, or myself to get seriously hurt. That was the turning point for me. I started to put together a plan. God's love and power are a huge part of who I am and a huge part of my story. I do not know how people go through the hardships of life without Christ. I prayed and fasted, and God led me through some dark days out onto the other side. Lip Talk Nation, Faith just told us that it was a process because I asked her, At what point did you say enough is enough? And it was a process. And some of you out there need to begin that process. So what she did was she reached out slowly to people and waited for their response because she felt like, remember the excuses she mentioned? She felt like that she was supposed to stay in it because divorce wasn't an option. However, she had a good friend that said, go home and play this story over in your head and tell me what you just said. 
How would you think if someone else was telling you this story and because you played that over and over in your head, Faith, I'm so glad that you did because that's when enough was enough. So I know some believe or even struggle with that domestic violence is only when there's physical abuse, but would you include verbal abuse and emotional abuse as well? I just want these terms to be defined so everyone understands. I don't know precisely where to draw the line like in telling other people, you know, when they should leave or what they should do next. But I do know that verbal and emotional abuse is very damaging. It is not loving and it is not okay. This is the abuse that destroyed me, Laura. It stole my self-worth and absolutely destroyed me from the inside out. I would have preferred to be punched in the face any day of the week than to listen to the man who said he loved me scream obscenities at me, belittle me, and remind me over and over how worthless I was, often in front of my children. I would rather have been punched. Wow, Faith. I have goosebumps again on this because I... I'm in awe with how you just described it. You said you'd rather be hit than hear those words. Lip talk nation. You know that our message here is what you say is what you become because it is very important what you tell yourself. So when you are receiving abusive words, when you are receiving those negative words over and over again, just like Faith did, you become them. And she did for a while. And that's why I asked you that question. You know, and I don't know if it's straight across the board as well, but I want people to learn from your experience. So she just told us, Lip Talk Nation, that verbal abuse and emotional abuse was, in her mind, domestic violence for herself because it ruined her. It destroyed her self-worth. And thank you so much, Faith, for sharing your vulnerability once again with us. So what are the warning signs of domestic violence that you want Lip Talk Nation to understand and be aware of? So there are a lot of resources and articles regarding this, especially as awareness is raised, and I think that is a great thing. So some of the things that you want to watch for, a controller, somebody that has to be in control, and this can be where you go, what you wear, who you're with there's a lot that can go into a controlling person. So you just need to be aware of it. A jealous man, some people think that that's a good thing, and I do not. I think a jealous person could be an abuser. A man who cannot be pleased no matter how hard you try. A man who acts differently in private than he does in public. This is a dual personality. A man who has an inflated sense of himself. A man who blames others for his problems somebody that is hypersensitive, a man who seeks to wield power and control in any number of areas. And I would say these are things to avoid, but when there, when there are two or three attributes of one person, that is a red flag to get out. Lip Talk Nation, red flags. Did you hear some of these warning signs that she just mentioned? Will you repeat them again for us? I want it to be understood. Sure. A controlling man, a jealous man, a man who cannot be pleased no matter how hard you try, a man who acts differently in private than he does in public, a man who has an inflated sense of himself, uh, a man who blames other people for his problems, hypersensitive, and, and a man who seeks to wield power and control in any number of areas. Lip Talk Nation, how many of you recognize that you are in an abusive relationship and 
you hit every one of these warning signs that faith mentioned, or even one or even two, do they have to have all of these warning signs, faith? No, absolutely not. Um, Everybody is different and every relationship is different. I would say uh, any one of these, though, would be a reason for you to definitely talk to them about it and and, uh, gauge their response and uh, get outside advice on this person, talk to their friends and their family, their parents, and just see what they're really like. Because the last thing you want is to find out after your wedding day. Yes, definitely. And I know a lot of people are resonating with you and can relate. So what advice can you give to people who see domestic violence happening to their friend or friends, but their friends aren't even aware that they are being mistreated? Yeah, so that is a great question, Laura. There's so much dialogue now about it, and I think that's great. And as awareness is raised, you know, people are going to start to see these signs in people around them, maybe even in their own relationship. Number one, we have to talk about it. It cannot be taboo any longer. We have to start talking about it until it's no longer taboo. And we have to talk about it until the women in our churches and at our jobs and in our towns and in the other circles that we're in, until they know it is safe to talk about it. The abused women need to feel safe talking about it, whatever that might look like and wherever that might be. Also, you need to realize that her fears are real. For instance, a woman is 70, 70, 70 times more likely to be killed by her abuser within the first few weeks after she leaves him than at any other time in her relationship. That is a very gripping statistic. That means that when that woman has a list in her mind of excuses why she won't leave, we need to take those and work on them one at a time and and arm her with the information that she needs to make a safe and wise decision, not discount her reasoning, not say that she's stupid for not leaving. That None of that dialogue helps. And I know that many people that have not been touched by this cannot relate to being hit by a man and not leaving. And I just want you to know it is a very deep, intricate, patterned, complex issue and relationship. And there is a lot, there's a lot of variables. And just listen to her and talk to her about them one at a time and give her the tools that she needs. Let her know there are resources everywhere. You can Google your city and domestic violence and up will pop a hotline. And you're welcome to call them anytime. They will talk to you in confidence. They will give you resources. They will connect you to people. And I think the best thing we can do is help these people. At the beginning of your answer, Faith, you mentioned that we have to start talking about it. And I am right here agreeing with you. I'm nodding my head yes, because we have to. Topics of abuse have been such taboo for many, many years. And like you said, including churches and towns and and businesses, people just don't talk about it. We suppress. And I believe suppression leads to depression, which leads to all kinds of violence. So I love how you pointed out that we have to support her. She needs support. So if you have a friend, Lip Talk Nation, that is experiencing domestic violence and she's not aware of it or even friends, support her. And then you said arm her. 
listen to her, show her the resources and let her know that she does have that support. And then you said something pretty startling to me, Faith, 70 times more likely in the first few weeks that if you leave him, he's most likely to hurt her or kill her. Really? See, that's very shocking to me. I didn't know that. So I think that what you just said is is spot on. We need to start talking about that. Lip Talk Nation, this is my passion. I want us to start talking about it. Why do we get nervous? Why do we get squirmy? Why is it something we don't talk about? So thank you for sharing those tips specifically if we are aware of somebody else experiencing it. Yeah, and one more thing, Laura. I, I just be very straightforward with her. Don't beat around the bush. Um, tell her that you're a safe place to talk if she ever needs to talk. She has to know that there are resources, that there is help, and that there is hope. Tell her she deserves to be safe and happy. Tell her God created her for a purpose, and being abused is not part of the plan ever. I love how you just said that ever. God did not create you to be abused because you are wonderfully made, and that's uh, you know the mission here at Life in Purple. we got several, but we want to take the negative and turn it into positive. We want people to heal. We want to find the beauty in brokenness to become successful. I really, really appreciate your vulnerability, Faith. You are a shining light to so many. So in your healing process, I know that it was when you said things out loud, you began to figure out how to stand up for yourself. So do you say any positive affirmations now? And if so, will you share them with us? Sure, I have a few. One is that God's love is enough, and I think that is very important for the people who are emotionally attached still, and they can't separate it enough to think clearly. Another one is, I am enough, and that speaks to me specifically because I am a recovering people pleaser, and I would just do anything I could to make him happy and even other people And I got to the point where I knew I'm enough. I am a full, completed creature, and I can do this. And then also, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think even if it's hard for you to look yourself in the eye and say, I am beautiful, we must acknowledge that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I actually started this process long before I left. Speaking truth into my own mind is the only reason that my marriage did not destroy me. And it is absolutely part of the healing process. I agree with you, Faith. Thank you so much for sharing these affirmations. I love them. And I love how you related the affirmations to what the person would go through and what you were going through. God's love is enough. It's for the emotional connection that you had and that you're a recovering people pleaser. I love how you said that. And to do that, you you would say over and over again, I am enough. I am enough. Lip Talk Nation, are you grabbing a hold of this? How many of you need to say that affirmation? And again, the one that we have here at Life in Purple is... I am fearfully made. I am wonderfully made. I love that you said this too and you recognize this. And I believe that definitely helped you recognize the situation that you were in to help you get out. So I love everything about you, Faith. I love your story and the fact that you can help people. I don't love what happened to you, but I love that you're willing to share because you have conquered. You're definitely a survivor and such a shining light, like I said, to so many. So I want to move on to what we call a lightning round here at Life in Purple. And we're going to get to know you on a fun level. You don't have to think about the questions very much. You can just give me your straight answer, and it's going to be super fun. Are you ready? Sure. All right, here we go. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? 
Time travel. Time travel. You know, I, I have a few that tell me this one. I like that one. All right, how do you like your coffee? Uh, first dump out all the coffee and then add ice cold Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Hey, I haven't had that answer yet, so that's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, your most embarrassing moment. Um, running out of red snapper at a very high-end banquet that I was running. Yikes. Yeah. So what did you do? It was not good. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, um, yeah, we rearranged the plates until it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Re- See, you're an innovator right there. Yeah. That tells me you're an innovator. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, favorite sport? Tennis. Tennis? Yeah. Awesome. What's your favorite movie? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Oh, I'm sure there's a huge reason behind that. That's for mm-hmm. thinkers. Yes. Okay. Huge debate. I say it all the time when I interview my guests, and okay. I just need to know, Lip Talk Nation needs to know, how does your toilet paper roll? Is it top or is it bottom? Uh, I don't care. I have kids. If there's toilet paper anywhere in the bathroom, I feel like we're winning. Excellent answer. I don't care. I have kids in the house. And so if it's there, it's good. <laughs> awesome. All right. So you just made me smile. I hope Lip Talk Nation, you're smiling too. All right. So to wrap up the interview, Faith, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice to give to those who are in an abusive relationship and are too scared to get out? Sure. I would say tell someone. Tell anyone. If it's a stranger, if it's a family member, anyone that you feel safe sharing with. There is hope. There are resources available. If you won't leave for you, leave for your kids. But I do hope you'll leave for you. And I think as the conversation becomes more familiar and awareness rises, abused women have the power and the resources to break free and find help. Oh, my goodness. Say that last phrase one more time. Abusive women have. Say that again. Have the power and the resources to break free and find help. Abusive women have the power to break free and find the resources. That right there should be enough. However, I know that many people in an abusive relationship have a difficult time. So tell someone, tell them. And then when that happens, you get this little piece of hope that's inside of you and you become more comfortable sharing your story. Faith, thank you so much for letting us get to know you on such a deep level. I know that you have already helped many stand up for themselves and work closely with Choose Courage Foundation. So will you share with us where we can find out more about you and this particular organization? Oh, of course. Choose Courage Foundation is very near and dear to my heart. It's a foundation that was started here in the DFW area by a photographer who stopped her business and started the Choose Courage Foundation, hoping to raise awareness and end domestic violence. You can find me on Facebook at Faith Glosser Conaway, and you can find Choose Courage at choosecourage.org or on Facebook at Choose Courage Foundation. And our very first event is coming up on March 3rd. It's the Emerge event, and we are very excited about it. I'm very excited as well for you all. I've watched it since birth of how the organization is growing and choosecourage.org. I'm so excited, Faith. I love that you shared your story and your vulnerability. It really has been an honor to have you on the show, Faith. Thank you for spending time with us at Life in Purple. 
where the broken can heal and the successful can conquer. It's been a pleasure, again, hearing your story and letting our listeners glean value from your experience. Lip Talk Nation, if you have enjoyed today's episode or one of our previous episodes, I would love to hear from you. If you're an iPhone user, go on over to iTunes and leave a friendly review. And for our Android users, send me a quick email to lara at laurasprague.com. We appreciate you and we'll see you soon. And as always, what you say is what you become.